0: All right, on this episode of the LPDS, we talk about my parents' visit to the great state of Texas and the fun that was had by all. It was a good time. You're gonna want to hear this one. Very fun. Also got a couple of current events to discuss, and then a nice little little cage fact that I didn't, you know, we all see coming. When you when you hear the fact, you all understand why. What well, we all saw it coming. So anyway, that's all coming up right now. All right, jabronis, we're back. Welcome back to the Labretti Podcast Diary Show. I'm your host, Labretti. The show that talks about nothing and finds the lessons and humor and everything. Hope everybody had a good week. I did. It was a it was a winding down week from a fun filled weekend, which we'll get into into the junction. Real quick, though. I swear to God, this is not tinfoil hat. My phone is absolutely listening, receiving the audio of my conversations with people anywhere within the vicinity of the phone. And that information is being used to target me with ads. I'm convinced of it. You could say no. You could say just turn your Siri off and it's, it's not going to happen. My Siri's off. I have no voice activation activated on my phone. But there have been two instances this week alone, this past week alone, that I know I've talked about something and absolutely did not research it on my computer or my phone. No typing of any sort, no searches, no nothing. And all of a sudden I see ads on websites I go to or apps I open up on my phone for the exact things that I was talking about out loud. Call me crazy. Whatever you want it, whatever you want to justify it as, LaBretti's being a nut job again. It's happening. Okay? It's absolutely happening. I was speaking with my mother when she was here visiting. And of course we were talking about toilet stuff. Because that's what the librettis do. We talk about bowels and toilet stuff. My grandfather, JPL2, may he rest in power, always brought it up at the dinner table. No matter where we were, restaurants, holiday get-togethers, anytime we were eating a meal, he would mention how this food was going to affect our dumpy schedule. There's no doubt about it. If you had a question about your diet, and, and and if this food that you were going to eat was going to affect you in any sort of way, bowel-wise, go talk to my grandfather, JPL2, God rest his soul, and he would tell you. Oh, we're eating rice tonight. You're not going to crap for a week. Ooh, that's too much cheese. I, I don't want to be constipated for the next two weeks. Everything, and he had it down pat. He knew the food and the rate of dump that was going to happen in a certain timeline. As soon as he ingested that food, or anybody did for that matter, you knew whether it was coming out quick or staying in a long time. So we were talking about toilet stuff, and my mother was was telling me how I should get this different style cleaner, this different type of cleaner to clean a certain ring around the bowl that doesn't come out with normal brushing and the the garbage, you know, grocery store uh, cleaning aisle stuff. The little squeegee, and then you toilet brush it. There's some more powerful stuff to get that deep clean in. And she was telling me about it. Well, lo and behold, I'm on an app. I don't know what app. I'm trying to remember now. It doesn't really matter. But as you're scrolling, there's all, there's ads and sponsored content. Out of nowhere, there is an ad specifically for toilet bowl cleaner. Specifically for toilet bowl cleaner. And it said, do you have a stain around your toilet bowl that you can't get out? Use this cleaner. And I'm not making it up. I should have taken a picture to post it here, but I didn't because I was just so angry. I just closed the app. And then when I was picking them up, I had to go up to Austin to pick them up. And we discussed this previously when we were talking about preparing for a family visit. I had to go drive up to Austin, Texas to pick them up. They were visiting some relatives up there. And we were at our cousin's house that day. And I was talking to my one cousin about holsters for guns for six shooters, slingers and he was telling me about this holster that's good because you can wear it it fits in pockets if you want it it you can strap it to any sort of pant or shorts doesn't matter you don't need necessarily a belt nothing because that was the one thing i you know i asked him about was i want a holster that i can go out you know out and about with my athletic shorts on cuz i wear you know i wear gym shorts and and tank tops all the time we're out here in Texas. It's 101 degrees out right now. And obviously not, I can't wear a belt with that, but I also want to be able to stay strapped in case something, you know, something goes down. Because you're allowed to here. Not not take stuff down, but you're allowed to protect yourself. But I can't do that with athletic shorts and the current holster I have. I need a belt for it. And I can't clip it to the to the tactical fanny pack because now it's not a concealed carry anymore and I want to make it concealed I want to keep it keep it safe and protected uh, so we were talking about holsters and what did you know it I pop open my Facebook or YouTubes or whatever it is and it is riddled with ads for holsters now I could see if I was recording like right now I'm recording on my computer, and there's a chance that my computer, obviously, it's on receive mode, so it could take in the audio. I I could believe that you know, it's gonna it's gonna hear the the what you know the conversation, and then sponsor toss sponsor ads at me all the time, not sponsor ads, but toss ads at me about the stuff I talk about. But when my phone has it all turned off, supposedly, it's still collecting and eventually if i find if i if it happens again i'll post pictures on the instagram account or on my facebook so you guys can see it but it's unbelievable and it's i consider it an invasion of privacy not that i have anything to hide but some people do i know a lot of you have some serious stuff to hide and that's okay and those things you tell me, I'm taking them to the grave. But if our phones are in the same room together, and you're telling me your dirty deeds, we're gonna see ads about it. So be careful. That's all I'm saying is be careful with your phones. There's a reason why, in classifier environments, they tell you to leave your phones outside, leave your smartwatches outside. Anything that's on uh, receive or transmit, any, anything that has the capability to do that, check it at the door. Leave it out of there. And some of those office spaces have even more restrictive rules where they, you can't have it within a certain amount of feet. It's got to be gone. Just leave it in your car. I had to do that when I worked over at the NSA buildings. The, the phone was in the car. So we're talking 12 hours phoneless. And I think I might do that now. I might throw my phone in my car or in my mailbox or something just to get it, get it out of here. I don't want any more ads for toilet cleaners or holsters or any of the other stuff I talk about to myself or to Randy. I'm good. But it's just a little annoying and a little frustrating that there's zero privacy now. And I know I should have known that before. I get it. I'm in that world. I've been in the privacy world for a long time now, so whatever. But moving on. So there's been some drama in the media the past week or so, probably the past week. And first, I'll say this. First, it's made-up drama. Not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Second, I think it was made to be a bigger story than it is because they're probably hiding something. I know uh, one of the, is is he a senator? Tommy Tuberville? What a stupid last name, by the way. Go look at some of the congressmen and senators' names. Those people, we talked about it in the past when we were talking about this, actually this very same subject I'm going to bring up. Some of these people, don't. they have no business being in the limelight whatsoever with the names that they have. But Tommy Tuberville, I just saw a thing where he bought a whole bunch of shares of this stock. I forgot the name of the company, a very small company that makes some sort of medical product. And he bought it for pennies. It was like 86 cents a share when he bought it several weeks ago. And then lo and behold, we f- we find out a- like a-, a week or two after he bought tons of this stock that this company is making a medical product that they're shipping out to the Ukraine that Ukraine used our billions of dollars of tax money to pay for to use this medical product in their in their war and then that stock shot up to like 350 360 $3.60 a share from like 80 cents And he bought thousands and thousands of shares of that stuff. So if you remember my rant from months ago, even last year sometime, I think it was, where I talked about the congressmen and senators doing the insider trading, he was on the list. I think he was the most prolific on the list of of people who were crushing the S&P 500 in stock picks for the year. He was beating it by 600% or something ridiculous like that. Better than the S&P 500, which is always going up. I think it's like an average of 10% increase a year. And he was annihilating the S&P 500. Because the insider trading. Anyway, that's why I think they made this other story more popular and more uh, dramatic than it really had to be. But there's this guy out there. His name is Oliver Anthony, and he's a small town fella from the Virginia area, who owns a plot of land, and he and he writes his own country songs from the confines of his land with his dogs in the middle of the woods next to his deer stand. And he's a very talented singer, got a really good voice. Simple guy doesn't he's not trying to you know be bother anything, and he wrote this song. About essentially, you know, America's getting screwed by the government. Simple song. And, and though, you know, the world is up in smoke about it. Maybe that's what they're hiding the fact that the government's not giving any aid to the Maui forest fires, not forest fires, but the wildfires going on in Maui and the death and destruction going on over there and the lack of federal aid the insulting lack of federal aid while, while they asked for $40 billion more billion to give to Ukraine the same week. But I'll, let me get off my soapbox there. So he writes this song, and Joe Rogan posted on his Instagram. And that song, in one week, got over 18 million views on YouTube alone. And it blew up, and the media's all up in arms about it the super righties the far right folks love it it's the it's the new american anthem for for america for the patriots out there or whatever they want to call it saying that this guy gets it and we got to fight for our rights again and this and that and they're all over it and they're reposting it on their instagram pages and their facebooks and their tweets and wherever other platforms they're on probably truth social and Rumble and uh, what was that other one? Parlor, all of them, and then the super left is saying it's this is a crazy person. It's Quaynon nonsense. Who did this? The lyrics suck. This guy's an idiot. Why? Why is he so popular? He's an he's a moron, and they're dragging this poor bastard into the dirt. He just wrote a song. Okay, the lyrics are not bad. It's not asking to kill anybody. It's not saying to light your torches and go do bad, illegal things against certain groups of people. It's not saying that at all. And you can argue the... the What's the word I'm looking for? The quality of the lyrics. How deep they are, the layers behind them. I think they're a little they're simple, they're pretty obvious the message he's uh he's saying in this song. It's people are spinning it to sound radicalized and crazy talk and then the other side spinning it as, you know, patriotic and exactly what we're all feeling or whatever. So there's both sides of that argument. It's a it's a good tune. He's got a really good voice. And it doesn't matter to me what the message is he's saying because he's not saying anything illegal. He's not saying anything wildly radical or crazy. He is is singing about his beliefs. So you can agree or disagree, and that's fine too. But people are making it sound like he's either the savior of this world, or he's going to take this world down by this simple song that he didn't even post on his own YouTube page. He had a clip of it on his Instagram when he wrote the song, like he does for all of his songs, which are country songs that he says he, he tries to model his, his writing and singing off of old time country, like Waylon Jennings and such. And he posts on it. And then another Another page called Radio WV, Radio West Virginia, who posts local Virginia, West Virginia, Blue Mountain area, small time country singers post their videos and songs on their YouTube page. He didn't even post it himself. So he's not trying to secretly like take over the government and sell propaganda and all this other stuff. The guy's just playing music on the side as a hobby when he gets home from work being a regular guy, regular blue collar guy. And he is, uh, he's hearing about it now. And we're all hearing about it now. And I'm sure I can, I can list out the people in my life who have one, you know, their feelings on the left or right about it. Because that's what they're doing. They're creating the narrative for the sheep to just spew out And regurgitate, you know, and uh, not regurgitate. Yeah, I guess regurgitate. But just to to repeat and parrot out there. Whatever your side is saying, that's your opinion now. Because you could see it on the social media post. Who's posting what about this particular guy in this song. And all the guy wanted to do was just write music in his spare time with his dogs. And he plays on the weekends at different little blue collar style festivals when he can. To small crowds of like sixty people, farmers markets and what have you. People forget that big time artists write songs the in the with the exact opposite message, and we're getting hailed for it. Lizzo, how many? How many? I mean. How many millions and millions of views and listens did she get for her one of her first hit songs, Fat Bitch, or whatever it was called? I'm 100% that fat bitch. Everybody loved it. That's what what springboarded her or forklifted her up to the top of the charts to be a super popular icon in the woman's body positivity movement. Because she put out a couple songs about men not being shit and and you're a queen and then I'm 100% fat bitch and all this other stuff that was entertaining music, whether you like the message or not, and it got her popular. But there was was a small fraction compared to this, a small fraction of people who are actually lambasting her and, and giving her crap for it at the time a very small fraction of extremists on one side saying that she's a, you know, a problem for it. Otherwise it was almost universally hailed as revolutionary music about, you know, independence and body positivity and anybody can do it and this and that and all this other good stuff, which is fine. Like I said, I thought the, the songs were entertaining. I don't particularly like Lizzo in general, her music. I don't, it's, It's not my kind of music, but I didn't. It didn't suck. It's just whatever. It's just, it's just music out there that's popular with people. You don't have to like everything for it to still be popular. Doesn't just because you don't like it or I don't like it doesn't mean it sucks. Okay, I just did. I don't. I don't like her music, but the music was popular and it was a hit and whatever. Nobody give a crap when she put that stuff out. But this guy, because he's calling out government officials, they have to they have to have something to say about it. They have a problem with it, and they're and they're dragging this poor bastard in the in the mud for it, as if he killed somebody, as if he was telling us to go kill people. It's crazy. I feel bad for him, and I I hope what he does is just continue to live his life normally. And he doesn't use this as like some sort of weird pedestal to start thinking he's a political icon. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's too busy working and living his life. And I hope it stays that way. But he seems like a humble fella. And I feel bad that he's going through this stuff right now. Um, And I wish people would not take these non-stories and make them stories to hide other stuff that's going on in the world, like the Maui-Hawaii stuff going on. And I'm not going to call it Hawaii- I don't like when people do that, by the way, when they try to use the accent of the of the native area, even though they're not from there. I gave Sticks a hard time for that, too. He does it. I, I don't know if he did it on this show when he was on my brother Sticks, but he does it all the time on all the time. He's talking to people who are from different parts of the country. If their name is like Jorge Lopez or something. He'll say, "Oh, here, you know, we got a visitor today. Is it's Jorge Lopez?" And I was like, shut up, sticks. I love you, but shut up. So I'm not going to call it Hawaii. And I hate when other people do that. We talked about this in the past. The fake, the fake tourists that pretend that they're from the country when they go visit, or from that that state, they say Mahalo and Hawaii and all that other bullshit. Those are losers those people are losers, all right? And I love everybody. I love them. I still have friends who are losers. Hell, I'm a loser for other reasons, not for that though. But they're losers for that. But anyway, that's the re- that's a real story going on. That people in our, in our own country are dying from these fires and they're not getting any federal help for it whatsoever. An insulting an insulting thing to our citizens. So Meanwhile, this guy's getting dragged through the mud. Anyway, speaking of Lizzo, we talked about how she put out a statement denying all the stuff that the three uh, backup dancers, former backup dancers, accused her of and are suing her for. And then we got another little nugget of evidence for old Lizzo. A lady who is a documentary maker. I don't know what they call that officially. She makes documentaries. She's actually an Academy Award nominee for one of the documentaries she's made in the past. She was hired by Lizzo some time ago to do a documentary on herself. And the lady posted publicly on social media and somewhere else, the internets, that she went on there, followed Lizzo around for two weeks, and quit the project and said find somebody else because she said Lizzo was a fraud she said she was abusive to her employees it was a toxic environment she had this entitled approach to everybody and everything all the stuff you've heard recently about Ellen and about that other uh tubby cars and karaoke guy how they all put on this facade this show this persona of being nice and happy and kind to everybody and polite to the little guy, because we used to be little guys too and champions of these movements and what have you. And behind the curtain, big curtain, they're just entitled pieces of garbage that are not kind to others. They truly believe they are better than everybody else and they treat others that way. And they show no kindness, no empathy, no gratitude, no nothing. They run away from the big three. And that might be the only thing Lizzo run away runs away from, besides a stalk of broccoli. But this this credible documentary maker, and she's made documentaries that I don't particularly agree with. Like, so I'm not saying I don't I'm not I'm not defending this woman because I, you know. I believe in her documentary making, you know, abilities or anything like that, because she's made some stuff that's, in my opinion, uh, lopsided, pushing a, of some sort of a narrative. And I like documentaries to be as objective as possible personally, but she does such a good job at creating these pieces for people. That she was uh, nominated for a big-time award. Well, it's not big-time anymore. Academy Awards are are garbage, except when Nick Cage wins them. But she's a credible person in that world. And she had a walk-off after two weeks. That's how bad it was. She left. Now, why isn't anybody talking about the fact that Lizzo hired her own documentary crew? I think I only know one or two people in the history of the world that have done that, and we know about, and they're all fake characters. I mean, who she, she is? Sandy Lyle from "Along Came Polly" hiring his own friends to follow him around with a camera for a fake VH1 behind the behind the actors' uh, documentary or whatever. And I think Kenny Powers did it too on "Eastbound and Down." Or he recorded his own, uh, his own uh, biography book, autobiography that nobody bought. That wasn't a real book. That's what she did. She pulled a Sandy Lyle. She hired someone to do a documentary on herself because nobody else wanted to do a documentary on her. So she did it herself. If that's not a sign of some sort of entitled, narcissistic, sociopathic type of behavior, and I'm throwing a lot of three syllable, four syllable. Psychology, you know, style words out there, not because I know what they mean, but because I know one of them is probably close to being correct descriptive for her. But it's just a wild notion that nobody saw this coming before. And there's more evidence that showed that she was stealing lyrics and stuff. The whole premise of her song, I'm 100% that bitch. Came from a different person. I forgot this person's name, but she she wrote the quote on a on a twit on her own Twitter account back in like 2017. And then several months later, a year later, Lizzo writes a song about it, not admitting the fact that she found it from someone somebody else. And then it wasn't. It was only until she was called out for it that she had to backpedal and defend. That, oh, I saw it on a meme, and I saw the meme, and I was like, this is what I am. I'm 100% that bitch. So I'm going to write a song about it, because that's what I am, 100%. Even though it wasn't, wasn't on the meme, it was that girl's tweet. And then another guy came out who apparently, supposedly, helped write some of the songs with Lizzo. Or for Lizzo, because she's not writing her own songs. That lyrics from that song, 100% that bitch, were his lyrics that she never credited him for because she, she told everyone that it was her song. She wrote the whole thing. And she's, she denies that, of course. She backpedaled back then in 2019 or whenever that came out. But nobody's putting the, nobody wanted to believe that this champion of the women's positivity movement might actually just be a pompous, unkind asshole. Nobody wanted to believe it. So they threw all that evidence under the rug and just let her continue to abuse people and berate people and be genuinely unkind and mean to human beings around her that were doing work for her, helping her out to continue her success. The fact that you, you're you this popular and, and famous And nobody wanted to do a documentary on you. You had to go hire someone to do that for you. And you suck so bad. They had to leave the situation because they were were feeling unsafe. That's not a good look. Neither are those onesies she's wearing, but whatever. More power to her. Like I said, I'm not here to be anti-body positivity and being confident in yourself. My issue with the heaviness stuff is not an attraction issue. It's a health issue. I want people to be healthy. And if you're 300 pounds overweight, you're not healthy. You're hurting yourself and others around you. And I want everybody to be as healthy as possible. That's my problem with it all. And I'll say that to the day I die. Big, tall, fat, small. I love them all. And that's a, that's a saying I got from my buddy in college. I'm not going to identify his name in case he doesn't want to be identified to protect the innocent. But that's not even my line. And I'm going to give that person credit because I'm not a stealer of lines. I inadvertently take ideas because I am not quick-witted enough for my own stuff sometimes. And my subconscious remembers things that I've seen or heard in the past. But as soon as I find out about that, I try to admit that. Unlike Lizzo, I'm not going to backpedal and, and defend, you know, and lie about it. But anyway, big, tall, fat, small—I love them all. My only issue is the health aspect of it. I don't like people championing fats, pretending like it's not a health issue, and and trying to make others feel bad for wanting these people to get healthier. I don't. I will never feel bad about wanting somebody to be healthy whether they're a stranger or somebody close in my life. I don't want you to be fat and die at age 30 from congestive heart failure or some other issue or diabetes. So I want you to be healthy. I wish fat was healthy. I really wish it was because I would be a fat. No doubt about it. I love eating. I love McDonald's. I love desserts. I love all the crap. But it's not healthy. I also want to live long. I love living. I love being able to do stuff around the house. I went off on a fat tangent there, but that's what you get here at the show fat tangents. Anyway, I think that's all I got with the current events. So we might as well just get right into the good stuff, step into the cage. Okay, let's run. All right, had to adjust the camera a little bit, too. I think it might be still crooked standby. All right, I think we're good now. All right, today's Into the Cage segment is proudly sponsored by the new Anthony Rigatoni Snapchat filter. Are you trying to impress the ladies or the fellas on the dating apps, but you look like the love child of Shrek and Ron Howard's brother, Clint, and no self-respecting woman or guy will come within 200 feet of you? Then start taking pics with the Tony Riggs filter today. Equipped with a sensual tan, rugged chest hair, and an Italian horn chain, you can trick anyone into thinking you're a smooth-talking guido and not the ghoulish-looking creature and sewer rat that you really are with just the click of one button. So to pretend to be someone desirable today, download the Snapchat app now and click on the pixelated bishgariel icon and install the filter right now. Some of us are not photogenic. We're just the reality of the situation. And if you're looking to catfish somebody into thinking that you are photogenic and look good, Tony Riggs has the solution for you. And you can disagree with the ethical nature of that all you want, but you can can't knock the hustle of Tony Riggs. If there is an opportunity to help somebody out and make a quick buck doing it, Tony Riggs is going to do it. So anyway, the cage fact. There was a recent Reddit thread out there that became popular, so much so that they wrote an article about it. And the, the, the Reddit thread was... The, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was called, but it was a thread for guilty pleasure movies. And they even had like a definition on the thread of like guilty, what we consider a guilty pleasure movie is a movie that was maybe not, uh, reviewed very highly. It was ranked rather low, uh, from the, from the critic standpoint, or it was made knowing like, this is not going to be objectively a top-tier, Academy Award-winning style movie. We're just making a movie, and we know what it is. But we love it anyway. That's the guilty pleasure of it all. We know that it's not great, or it wasn't popular, or it wasn't award-winning, but we still loved it. And there were a couple vo- a couple movies on there that, including the one I'm going to talk about, that I thought were actually decent movies and I don't know where they got the lower quality from maybe I'm biased but National Treasure was the most voted guilty pleasure movie on that thread somebody put National Treasure is my guilty pleasure movie and it got the most upvotes by far from any other movie that was listed on that thread on that reddit thread thousands of upvotes or something like that So even in the world of mediocrity, Nick Cage's movies and talent are alone at the top. And it's this is a quick Cage fact. That's all I got on it. They didn't mention anything else about Nick Cage in that article. They talk about some of the other movies in there. Batman Forever. Some other crap I don't care about. But Nick Cage, even in any discussion, any discussion about movies whatsoever, worst movies ever, best around, best performances, craziest performances, most out there, most ridiculous, most unhinged, most hinged. He's the number one guy. And that's I didn't go and click a 1,000 upvotes on the Reddit. And you only get one vote. And I'm not creating a 1,000-plus accounts to do that. I just don't have the time to do it. Otherwise, I would. So you know it's not just me making this stuff up. He is the great one for a reason. He's the, the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever, ever, ever will be. And I'm stuttering here. I'm so excited about it. The greatest to ever do it. And if you don't believe me. I got a hundred and seventy three. Previous pieces of evidence. To prove why I'm right and you're wrong on this. These are cage facts, not cage opinions. Don't forget that, folks. Anyway, that's the cage fact today. Well, uh, moving on over into the junction and spin the logo up. So my parents came into the town finally. Their first visit to Texas since I moved here. Not their first time in Texas. They came and visited me when I lived in the middle of nowhere, Texas. We had a route and toot in time. We went horseback riding. We went to barbecue pits. We went to the Alamo. My father got a picture with Daniel Bowie holding a knife to his neck. My father also has a picture of him wearing a cowboy hat. I think a Yankees t-shirt, some jeans and New Balance sneakers while riding a horse an incredible photo. I don't have it personally. Maybe I do. I don't know. I'll try to find it if I do have it. I don't think I do, though. I think it's, it was a printout photo. Old, old-timey old photo. But this time around was a little bit more of the oil tycoon, city slicker-style Texas visit. They went up to Austin to visit my Aunt Mary, who just you know turned 100 recently. And then I picked him up and brought him down here to uh old good old H town where I'm living and I think my I think my dad JPl3 I think he forgot how to get sarcasm now and I don't know if it's because I'm trying to empathize with him here I think it's because he's just... So close to being done with work to retire, but he's dealing, you know, his work environment sucks. And I'm not going to get into it to put him on blast or anybody else on blast per se, but his work environment sucks and it's not healthy and it's stressful and it's a constant, serious, you know, uh, environment. Nobody's joking out there. The people are dull. Everything is serious and high priority, even though in reality it's not, let's be honest. He works a state government job, so it's all mostly a joke. And I think he's just lost his ability to pick up on sarcasm because he deals in the serious all day, every day now. So every time someone says something to him at work, it's a serious thing. But when he gets home or when he comes to visit or I see him, we're not very serious. My family is not that serious. We get serious and dramatic and crazy, got it, but we're ball busters. If you know anything about the Labretti family, we're ball busters. We like to bust chops. We like to be sarcastic, be smart asses. Since Since I was a kid, my mother always made the joke that I was a little asshole because I was always smart mouthing. Even when I was getting in trouble, I was always smart-mouthing. And I deserved to get in trouble. I'm not saying I was... It was unwarranted. I almost always deserved every piece of discipline I got. There were some cases where you can make the argument I would take it to court. But I was a little shit. I was always trying to get the last word. I was always being sarcastic and throwing a little snide remark at the end in there. And, uh... And everything I had, I had coming to me. But that's what we were—we're we're sarc- we're sarcastic, even when we joke now. And and I and my old man uh, no longer gets it. Everything was serious. He was asking me questions when I picked him up when I was up in Austin. He was asking me if I had the air conditioning on, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I forgot." I turned it off a, about a week ago, and I forgot to turn it back on. And now I don't know what to do. Now it's too hot in the house to cool down. And then he got mad at me, of course, because he was like, what do you mean you forgot? And I was like, I didn't forget. And even my mother was giving him hell a little bit for not understanding. It was obvious sarcasm. um, And we had a little doo to back and forth. And that was the whole visit by the way. It was me making snide remarks, him taking it seriously, my mother laughing, and then he got mad at me for it. And again, rightfully so. I was ball-busting the whole time. But I do feel a little bad that he's up against it so much so, it seems. And this is just my assessment that he's dealing with so much bull crap in his career all the time that he doesn't even have he just when you're out of when you're out of practice for something it's go, you know it takes a while to get back on the bike if you will i can't go out there and and face college pitching anymore and be successful i'll strike out every time for the you know for several batters you know several at bats until i get back into it cuz when you're out of it you're out of it And I think that's what's going on. He's out of it most of the time at his job. And um, I'm not around as often at the house in Jersey to get him back into the swing of things. So um, I do feel bad about that because he's missing some real winners when it comes to the sarcasm game, let me tell you. But what else did we do? We went to Bucco's. And I think I discussed this in the past, but Bucky's is that famous gas station that has like 600 gas pumps and it's a giant store storefront and they're known for their super clean bathrooms and technology in the bathrooms. They have little green and red lights when you know when someone's taking a shit in a in a stall and then they got a guy in there as soon as as soon as the stall is is open, he'll go in there and clean and spray and make sure it's all clean and and fine and dandy for the next person to go in. It is quite the situation over there. And I wish all rest stops were like this. Obviously, it's not going to it's not the case. Bucky's has become sort of a a tourist attraction now at the different locations all over the place. That's why they can get away with it because they get they're 24 hours and there's always, it's always a crowd there. There was another Bucky's on the east side of, of the city when I was driving in with my old man when we first got here, when I first moved here. And we got in at like early in the morning, one, two in the morning or whatever. And there was still a crowd at Bucky's. And I call it Buckos because my dad calls it Buckos because he heard from somebody at his job. You got to go check out Bucky's and he thought they said Bucko's and now it's Bucko's. So one of the other things that they're famous for is their brisket sandwiches. Gas station brisket sandwiches. They're phenomenal. For gas station brisket, they're they're the tops. Nobody's going to beat them in that game. Is it the best barbecue brisket sandwich I've ever had? No. But they're really good. I got to give them that. And my old man wanted a brisket sandwich on our way back from Austin. That was going to be our dinner. And by one brisket sandwich, I meant we filled an entire basket up with brisket sandwiches. In fact, by the time you tune into this, I'm still eating leftover brisket. I debun them all, and I mix them into my egg breakfast and dinner and what have you. I have a fridge full of brisket from Buckos, because we went off on one. In there, we got brisket. We got some of their kettle cooked or baked potato chips. Whatever they are, they were pretty good. Natural potatoes, pretty decent. I don't know if they make them in house or they ship them in from somewhere, but pretty good, pretty good potato chips there. And we had a whole meal, a whole damn feast of of brisket sandwich. Here's another thing, and, and people are going to give me shit for this, especially the people around here in Texas that may, may or may not listen to this or tune in. They got a pretty good fried chicken sandwich, too, over there at Bucco's. It's certainly not the best I've had. It's definitely, I would qualify it definitely as one of like the fast food chain style when it comes to chicken sandwiches, like a Chick-fil-A, Popeyes, KFC, like it's in that realm as far as the quality goes. It's not like a gourmet chicken sandwich from a restaurant or a one-off mom-and-pop chicken joint, but it was pretty solid. All things considered, I liked it better, and here's another hot take, I liked it better than the Popeyes chicken sandwich. And I'm not sorry about it. I had the Popeyes. And here's what I'll say about the Popeyes hype. Remember, I, I bitched about it a, years ago when this first came out. I'm not going to try it. I don't get the hype. It's ridiculous that people are acting up about this. I tried it a couple months ago after it all died down. And I might have gotten a bad situation where I left it in the bag too long because I, I bought it. And then I went home and I took care of some stuff. And then I ate, so maybe it was, you know, sitting for too long, and I need to eat it fresh right out of their, you know, right from underneath their heat lamp or whatever, but not that impressive. And I'm going to try it again because I want to keep it as objective as possible, but the Bucco's chicken sandwich was absolutely better than there. Undoubtedly better. How would I rate them compared to like again a mom and pop chicken joint? Low. You're not going to find a better chicken sandwich than a mom and pop, especially in like Mississippi, Louisiana areas. New Orleans has this one place I forgot the name of it, not Hattie's or Casey's or some some chicken joint. That chicken will blow your balls off. There's a line out the door. It's in the middle of the ghetto dangerous, and me and my buddy sat outside in the rain to get this chicken, and man, was it worth it. Delicious. This stuff doesn't hold a candle to that. But if we're talking fast food, gas station-style chicken sandwiches, Bucco's is better, no doubt about it. And you can fight me on it. We can argue it till till we're both blue in the face. That's my own one-cent opinion. I like it better. No doubt about it in my stupid mind, and you're entitled to your opinion, and we're allowed to disagree and get along amicably. If you want to defriend me for it, do me the favor. Do me the favor and defriend me for it, please, because I don't want somebody that intolerant in my life that they can't get along with someone who doesn't think the chicken sandwich is as good as they think it is. That's ludicrous. So please defriend me. Anyway, we went to Buckhouse and then we got back to the house, and it absolutely was the hottest, and I keep saying absolutely this week. I don't know why. Maybe somebody said it who I admire. Maybe Gosling said it or Steve Carell said it, and I was like, that's it. That's the word I got to use this week. But uh, it was definitely the hottest week of the year. It's been the hottest past two weeks of the year here in, in Texas. Uh, it's toasty. Yeah. We're talking... 102, 103, 105 degrees. A couple days ago, it was 107 out. Um, it's toasty. My grass is dead. It's it's super dead. It's hay right now. Um, I don't mind the heat. I don't care. Like I like it, but it was hot. It's super hot. And my house is on the older side. And I told you about the problems I had with my giant living room uh, ceiling and the fact that it runs hot in there to begin with. And there's only one AC vent. So we got in there and it's hot with more people in the house. The AC was running all day, never shut off, and it was not going well. And I felt bad for my parents. I had to deal with that. But luckily, we all came prepared. I had an extra fan that JPL promptly turned on to blow right in our faces to cool us off. And then he also made sure he brought his... His standard JPL3 uniform, which consists of not a tank top t-shirt, but a shirt with cut sleeves. He doesn't buy tank tops. He he makes his own, which I, you know me how I feel about that. I do that. That's probably why I do it. He also has a pair of sweatshorts, not gym shorts. Sweatpants material, but shorts, like jersey style, jersey sweats. That's a brand and a style of sweatpants, but shorts. And he had his JPL3 sweat towel as the Labretti sweat towel. We all had one in some way, shape, or form. My grandfather, JPL2, didn't have a sweat towel, but what he did have was a sweat paper towel that he would fold up and put inside his sailor's cap, he wore this cap it was like a sailor's captain's kind of hat it was wool and if you look at like old sea captains like fisherman style cap not uh, not navy seamen, but fisherman style with a little brim and wool and he put the paper towel inside that inside the hat so that It could absorb the sweat off his bald head because he had a cul-de-sac hair situation. Like an Uncle Junior from Sopranos or George Costanza. That's what JPL 2 had. So his sweat towel was a sweat paper towel. And now JPL has his sweat towel that he, he brings with him. Even though I have towels here at the house, he flew with that down here. And then for some reason, he had tube socks. And if I have the picture, and I remember to post it up, I'll post it up here of the picture I got of them when we were taking a break before going out to do stuff. He's on his phone. I think my mother was taking a nap on the recliner. And you can see in all his glory. You got the fan in the background. You got the towel around his neck, the sleeveless shirt, the sweat shorts, and then the tube socks just in case. There was a chance he got cold and he wanted his boat feet to get, you know, too cold or whatever. I don't know. He's a tube sock guy through and through. That's his thing. And I'm not going to knock him for it. It was a funny picture, but that's his. He's a tube sock guy. And that's what he had on his uniform. And like I said, if I had the picture, I'll post it up there. Um, but it was a good trip. Good trip overall. We only got into one fight. And it wasn't really a fight or anything like that, but it was one dude to do, not the sarcasm stuff, but we were watching TV and we were just kind of resting between activities. And I was editing an episode of the podcast. So obviously you can hear it through the computer when I'm editing. And my mother was like, What are you, you know, what are you listening to yourself again? I was like, Yeah, I'm editing. She's like, oh, what are you talking shit about us? Probably, but not this segment. This is the Cage segment here, the Nick Cage segment. And she goes, you know, for someone you like so much, this is not a direct quote, but this is the gist of it. You know, for someone you like so much, I haven't heard his name in years. I don't know what he's doing anymore. He hasn't made a movie in years. When I tell you I almost broke my neck turning to the left to give her the evil eye. I almost broke my neck, turning to the left to give her the evil eye. And I started rattling off all the stuff he's done in the past year alone. And we got it, you know, we were back and forth of, I don't care, I don't, you know, I don't know why you're so blah, blah, up in arms about it, this and that. And and I was like, well, because you disrespected him. He's on the biggest heater of his career in over a decade, about almost 20 years since the late 90s, early 2000s. And you think he's gone and forgotten about? We just discussed. He's he's in the Renaissance era of Nick Cage, the, the second golden age of Cage. And you can copyright and trademark that saying, the golden age of Cage right there. That's ours here at the LPDS, baby. So don't even try to steal that, Lizzo. And she had the the gall to say that he was a nobody, he was missing in action, MIA. Well, after, you know, cooler heads prevailed, it made sense why she thinks that because all the TV she watches will definitely not have any sort of trailers or ads or anything regarding Nick cage whatsoever. She's watching the ID channel, Dateline, Hallmark, and whatever channel. Yes. Network. If the Yankees are on, I don't know why she still watches them. Cause they stink. And then any channel that they're running blue bloods reruns on with Tom Selleck. That's what she watches. So it makes sense why they're not playing Nick cage movie trailers on there. But she comes and she came out with such a you know force and she was so sure of herself that he was MIA, I had to respond in kind. And luckily it was too hot for her to get off of the chair and come hit me. So the argument ended, ended amicably, which was nice for a change. Uh, and then we watched the Yankees and that was another big mistake we made, the second mistake we made of the weekend because they're such a nightmare to watch. They're such a poopy. They're so bad. They stink so much. It's so embarrassing. And I wish their front office was listening to this. I hope they fire Cashman. I think they actually might. It's so bad now that it's almost like Hal Steinbrenner. Yeah, yeah. There's not like there's no getting out of this one. There's no getting out of this one. This guy is a dud of a GM. They gotta get rid of him. I there's I still think there's a higher chance that they keep him around. But I think now there's a percentage. It used to be 0% because they love Cashman. They was he was working for them as far as their money-making scheme went. But there's just so bad and it's so apparent. I think there's now a small percentage they might get rid of him. And I'm going to call it here. I'm going to make a bold prediction that if they continue down this path for the last 40 games of the year or whatever there are, and they don't make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, I think they can cashman. I think it's over for cashman. I don't know about Boone, though. I think they might keep him around. If they keep cashman, they're obviously keeping Boone. But if they get rid of cashman, there's a chance Boone goes too because that's usually what GMs do. They clean house when they come in and they start fresh. So that is my prediction. It's a low percentage, but I think if the Yankees continue down this path and this embarrassing path and don't make the playoffs and stay in last place, they'll get rid of Cashman, which means Boone will probably go as well. And then there will be some sort of a temporary respite in the Labretti household because the, the wicked witch of the East is gone. So we'll see about that. Um, What else did we do? Oh, the last thing I'll talk about. We went to go get steak at this steakhouse. Pretty good spot, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be going again. It's only a couple of miles from the house. We went to a steakhouse for dinner. I brought, um, I had my friend and his wife come and the creature came as well. So he we can attest to this. And we're t- it's a table of six of us or whatever. And it's, you know, obviously we're loud and talking and this and that. And the waiter comes and he, you know, we're loud and we're joking. We're ball busting. He's like, "This was the first time here. I'm like, yeah. And my mother goes, uh, yeah, we're from New Jersey, can't you tell? And the guy definitely wanted to say a joke. So me and the creature chimed in with the joke for him so he wouldn't feel bad about making a joke about New Yorkers, but I was we were like Yeah, couldn't you like couldn't you tell like could you smell the trash when we walked in and some other jokes out there. They're obviously funny in the moment, they're not funny now, whatever, I don't care, but it broke the ice a little bit with the with the waiter, uh, and I think he was a cool sport about it because you could tell he wanted to say something like, yeah, I can tell you're you're from the trash northeast being loud and obnoxious. Not that we were, but compared to the other tight asses at the at the restaurant with their tight bolo ties, and they're probably wearing tidy whities too, um, we were not the crowd for that place, and I'm fine with that. That's what I like. I like being not the crowd at these places and still being able to get in there and afford it and have a good time and let them know. You think you're better than us? You're not. I can afford the steak too. So we had a good time there. There was a guy outside. Mind you, it's still a hundred degrees out at dinner time. And that's not an exaggeration. It was 102 degrees outside when we sat down for dinner inside And they have tables outside on this location. And there was a couple out there. This guy was probably in his 50s or 60s, I'd say. Adventure to guess. Somewhere around there. Hefty fella. He looked like the walrus from the Alice in Wonderland uh, cartoon walrus and carpenter. I believe I mentioned this before. There was another guy I saw that looked like the walrus, too. But this guy certainly looked like the walrus. He had a mustache. He was portly, but he was uh, Hispanic, so he was a tan version of that. And he was wearing a button-down shirt, long sleeve button-down, tucked into jeans, tucked into his dungarees, and then cowboy boots, sitting outside, sweating like a waterfall of sweat, like Brendan Fraser in Bedazzled, or whatever that movie was called that he was in with Liz Hurley. And he's sitting with his lass, his gal, and she is considerably younger. She's also a little bit on the portly side. Also, I believe she looked she she looked uh, Hispanic. And she could have easily been his daughter. But based on the events of their evening, because we watched them the entire time, because it was right through the window, they couldn't see us. We could see them, so we're going to look. We're Jersey trash after all. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look and we're going to comment and we're going to create a story behind what we think these people are. And we think it might have been some sort of a, like a lower level sugar daddy situation where she was giving him stuff, other stuff, if you will. Because as you all know, there's like me and the creature have always said, the three key things in life are sticks, steps, and other stuff. And I think she was giving him other stuff in exchange for lavish dinners, probably jewelry, dresses, shoes, gifts, monies, many, many monies. Uh, but b- because of the situation, what we we're looking at, it seemed like a like a low, like a lower level. And I stuttered there for a second. I don't know why, but it seemed like a lower level situation where he's not an oil tycoon maybe he owns something a little smaller like a mid-level small level business He looked like he got he got his hands dirty back in the day he looked a little bit more blue collar so I was thinking maybe landscaping or construction maybe he owned a construction company where he managed a landscaping business that had contracts with you know apartment complexes and hotels and stuff like he managed bigger contracts not just uh how you know residential. So he was making a, a decent, you know, a decent coin, a couple pesos there, but not enough, like not oil tycoon billions. And he was funding her her lifestyle, and she was doing other stuff to fund his uh self treat. And the entire dinner, I don't I don't remember seeing her eat at all. I saw him eat a little bit and drink about three gallons of water because he was sweating his balls off and then all she did was take selfies and have him take pictures of her in different poses at the table holding her drink holding a plate not holding a drink no plate both drink and plate all these different poses positions different locations in the in the outside area that had a nice little like garden setup looking thing with a waterfall and uh it was set up in the style of the German village, the, the original owner of the restaurant, um, lived in when he grew up in Germany. Um, that's what, that was a style of the place. And, the, and it's like the oldest steakhouse in Houston or something. And that's all they did. Took pictures. She, I don't even know if she talked to him other than to instruct him how to take pictures of her. And this poor bastard was working for it. So I hope she's a Tomcat in the sack. Because that guy was working hard for her. And she was not doing anything else. She was not earning her cash at all. But we had a good time joking about it and laughing about it. And we also had a banging dinner. Steak was good. The sides were good. The desserts were pretty decent. Coffee was actually pretty solid there. Everything was great. My only issue was that we were trying to pay for my parents because my my mother's birthday was coming up at the end of the of the month in August and this was like our way of of you know like a little birthday gift because I couldn't be home for it and we had a whole plan set up and the goddamn waiter god love him threw the checkbook through the you know the 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 check in front of her instead of me like we discussed previously. And then we had a whole do-to-do at the table about how she wants to pay and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And so now I got to find a way to sneak the cash into her into her account somehow. Um, I think I know how to do it, so I'll make it happen. But I didn't like that. I did not appreciate that. There's a reason why I went to that place and we ordered the stuff we did because... We wanted to pay. I wanted to pay. Um, So I felt bad about that. But it was a good trip. We had a great time. Um, She had a lot of laughs, had some good food, dealt with the heat, survived the heat pretty well, thrived in it almost, I'd say, for them anyway. And then we had an early morning departure. Their flight left at 7.30 in the morning. Had to get them there, obviously, at 5 because they wanted the extra time because my dad likes to detox to get prepared for the for the work week and I don't blame him especially working on the job he does uh he needs to he needs time to rest up and prepare um, physically mentally and emotionally so that was it bottom line is here's the lesson in it all if you prepare appropriately like we talked about in the last episode if you prepare appropriately for a family visit you get your house in order. You get the drinks that they like to have in order. You have a plan of action for to do the things that they already like to do, whether you like them or not. You have contingencies in place like a fan in case the house is too hot. And you have sweat towels for them and you have all that stuff in place ahead of time. And you prepare mentally and emotionally, knowing that you're excuse me, that your family's coming in town, you're going to set yourself up for a successful, quality, happy family visit. And this is proof proof positive that that can be done. And there should be no excuse for anybody. If you have a family visit coming up to your house on an announced scheduled visit, mind you, this is different from the pop-in, the pop-in is a different story altogether. We'll discuss a pop-in, but if it's a scheduled visit and you prepare accordingly, there's no reason why you can't have an enjoyable time, no matter what. And if you and if you still don't, and that's the that's the shitty relationship you have with those family members. This is going to be a hot take for some people because I know some people are are very much married to the idea of like well it's family no matter what their family their blood you're born into it you got to you know you got to have them around no matter what. Listen. I used to be like that as a kid and for the most part my family is still my family. I haven't I haven't cut anybody off because we have a pretty good situation. But let me tell you something. If I had such a shitty relationship with anybody in my family to the point where no matter what I did, it was going to be a toxic, negative, garbage situation that took years off my life. They're not coming over to visit. They're out of my life. Okay? Our lives are too short to deal with that level of bullshit and garbage and toxicity and and abuse and harassment or whatever else is going on just because you were born into it. I'm sorry for all those people who say family over everything. I believe in family. I have a great family. And I have a great family that includes blood and family I choose. And that chooses me. Which makes it even stronger. And those are the people I will absolutely die for. But for the people who are pieces of garbage and create nothing but havoc and toxicity a real toxicity, not just like they're angry and you fight every once in a while. And that's, that's, you know, we could be a little bit tougher than that. I'm talking about like abuse, verbal abuse, mental, emotional abuse, physical abuse, criminals, bad people that are going to cause trouble in your life. They're not in my life anymore. And there's only a select few. Actually, luckily, I'm very lucky with the family I do have that I was born into that there is very few of those people that we cut off or that I cut off. But if, you, if you're in that situation where no matter what you do to prepare for a family visit, it's still a terrible situation, that's the sign, that's the wake-up call that you need, the kick in the ass, to get out of that situation to set your boundaries and stick to them and give yourself a life that's not full of garbage and shit because life is too short to be living in that situation. Get rid of them. Cut them off. You're not coming over anymore. Until you get your shit together, good day to you. And I couldn't be more thankful and grateful that I don't have to deal with that with almost the entirety of my family blood and the ones I choose. And that choose me. It's a, it's great, but I do feel for the people who have to deal with that stuff. And as difficult as it is, I know it's difficult to, to cut out the important, like those people in your lives that you have such an emotional connection with. Cut them the fuck out. Okay. And for and for all the shit I give my parents and the jokes I, I talk about them on this show, I always roast them and stuff on here, and we have a good time and we laugh. I don't have to, I don't have to cut them out. They're great people. They took care of me, they raised me, they dealt with my shenanigans, they taught me how to be a man and an adult. And as I continue to learn and grow, as we all should be, even as adults. I continue to thank them for the stuff that they did that I hated as a kid because it helped shape me into the human being I am today. And I'm grateful for it. And it was a great visit. And that's all I got for today. Before we go, no hotline calls, by the way, this week, but before we go, the big three. For the new folks out there, the big three of the three pillars of staying strong and being a better kinder, happier, more genuine, healthier human being in life and to spread that positivity and goodness throughout the world and to the people around you. Number one, exercise every day. Do one thing every day to exercise physically, mentally, or emotionally, whether it's getting a workout in, going for a walk, reading a book, meditating, praying, doing a crossword, breath work, something, one thing every day to get healthier physically, mentally, and emotionally. Number two, don't be a shitty person. Be a kind person. When the opportunity arises to be shitty to somebody in response to something they might have done, and your emotions are running wild, and you want to respond and fire off a text message or a a comment on social media, detach from your emotions, take the step back, and just omit yourself from that situation. And by pulling yourself out of those negative shit situations, your brain now has the space to dedicate to more positive, productive things in your lives. And by being getting yourself out of the negative, you're you're only helping yourself out in the long run. And number three, the most important one, be genuinely thankful and grateful for all the good you have in your lives. Because you never know when they're going to be gone. And think about how shitty your lives would be if those things were gone, if those people were gone, if those experiences were gone, those memories. That'll put you in the state of gratitude for sure, thinking about what your life would be like without all that shit. And if you put all those three things together and follow the big three, just just one thing each day of the big three combine them all do something for your health remove yourself from the shittiness and be thankful and grateful for at least one thing in your lives that day I I promise you without a doubt I will I will bet everything I own on this if you do that stuff every day I promise you in the long run you'll be a better happier, kinder, more genuine, less stressed, healthier human being, and you can spread that positivity and that goodness everywhere around you. That's all I got today, guys. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Put on your notifications. Tell your friends and enemies. Hit the hotline 202-670-1114. Tell me your questions. Give me advice. Tell me your jokes, whatever you got to do. 202-670-1114 call that hotline and leave the voicemail thank you guys again I love you all